Johnny Chappell, representing Compass in Raleigh and Durham, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Real Talk Podcast. We are here in Buckhead Village, Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. My first time in Atlanta. Your first time? Or? Don't don't say hot Atlanta. That's what I've been told. Hot Atlanta. Don't, yeah. don't say that. Don't say hot Atlanta. Uh, that, no, that's like... I know uh, you're not from here. That's like uh, San Francisco. You go to San Francisco, you call it San Fran. Yeah, People yeah, don't do that. Nolens. Don't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> Nolens. Yeah, that's right. So... Johnny's from Raleigh. Just talk a little bit about the Raleigh market, North Carolina. Raleigh's the capital city of North Carolina. It's known for its universities. You've heard of North Carolina State University, heard of Duke, you've heard of UNC. UNC, you've heard of Wake Forest. I guess Wake Forest is part of the triangle. Yeah, it's a little outside the triangle, but okay. we'll, we'll, we'll claim them. It's, it's um, in the area. Sure, yeah. It's yeah. in the area. So I didn't really know is that the city's founding fathers called Raleigh the City of Oaks, <laughs> and they dedicated themselves to maintaining the area's wooded tracks and grassy parks. I, I guess it's known for its parks. You, you guys have a lot of greenery and... Totally. Uh, you know, if, if you want to go way back, then uh, you look at why Raleigh was chosen as the capital of North Carolina a long time ago, back in the 1700s. The, the, the founders yes. back then were deciding between Raleigh, Fayetteville, Hillsboro, and I think maybe like Greensboro, Winston-Salem, one of those cities. Okay. Anyway, what happened was a guy named Joel Lane had all the founders over to his house in Raleigh, got them all drunk one night, and convinced everybody that Raleigh really should be where the capital of North Carolina is. So we got the oak trees, but that's the the real story about why Raleigh is what it is today. That's right. Wine and dine, right? Shake hands and kiss asses. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cherry Bounce, by the way, was the name of the drink. Cherry Bounce. Yeah. It's a wine or? It's a cherry-flavored liqueur, liqueur yeah. Liqueur. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, other facts about North Carolina. Uh, the NC State Fair is the largest annual event in the, in the state. Is that in Raleigh as well? Yeah, it's just wrapping state? up. Yes, yeah, actually, it uh, goes on in October every year. My nephew showed his pig uh, this year at the, at the State Fair. So he's got a pig That's named Stripe. Right. He's seven, almost seven years old, and he got to show the pig and won a ribbon for his pig showing. That's amazing. And how, how is the pig judged? How, what's the parameters? You know what? Pig? He had to shampoo the pig yeah. and, uh, and, and clean it up really good and, uh, and, and just you know, walk around with, with the pig it's almost like a dog, like show, a dog show but with the pig and i don't know that he knows what the pig's future holds uh being in you know a, a barbecue capital uh but but <laughs> but he had a great time with the pig and, and and uh and and that's a little bit of the flavor of what you'll get at the state fair can you describe the winnings what do you get pride do you get money like, is, there, is there a financial incentive for so he got a ribbon and that ribbon will be on his bedroom wall uh for 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 quite a while and i think it was just a little bit of pride you know yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's a ton of money involved pig i don't think there's a professional pig showing career right. in uh in luke's future but uh but he really enjoyed it's there. it that's <laughs> yeah. great now what an awesome hobby to have right <laughs> i you know every every city you, you have the aspen guys that are professional fly fishermen on the side and professional uh uphill uphill yeah. skiers and then you have north carolina you have guys involved in in the pig business it is the what's, pig show business it's what's so great about north carolina is that you have your urban center so you can get your you know bit of you know city life if you will but then if you step five feet outside of the city uh you're going to get the pigs and the horses and the and the and, the, and that that just mix of rural meets urban country meets city and it's a it's just a good approachable area Industry-wise, another fact about Raleigh, uh, the Raleigh Research Triangle is known for its steady growth in the healthcare industry. The area has one of the highest concentrations of medical professionals in the United States. I did not know this. Mm. Uh, with the triangle-based, uh, obviously, Duke University Medical Center, yep. UNC Medical Center, are frequently ranking among the best hospitals in the country. So today, I want to welcome Johnny Chapel. Johnny is the founder and CEO of Chapel, a real estate firm at Compass led by top triangle real estate broker and developer, Johnny himself. 
The team has become closely associated with contemporary new construction development and represents hundreds of buyers and sellers throughout the region. Chapel himself is ranked among the top 1% of brokers in the triangle and boasts 15 plus years of real estate industry experience. A few more facts about John that I Let's have researched. Yeah. He's a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, which we'll talk about. Go Tar Heels. He was a news anchor for Time Warner Cable for six years for a 24-hour news channel. And you were also a sports anchor prior <laughs> to that. Phenomenal. And a photojournalist. So you know yep. a little bit about photography, videography. How the sausage is made in the, the news business. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And you're also a communications major, so you know how to talk to people. Talk and listen, which, I mean, in real estate, you know, that's the most important thing I think you can do. This is, if you want to become a real estate broker, <laughs> this is the prerequisite. Be comfortable in front of the camera, be able to talk, be able to read, be able to speak, and be able to relate to people. I mean, this is... Yeah. News anchors and bartenders make really good real, real estate, estate professionals. Yes. That's right. That's right. This <laughs> is a calling for anyone that is a jaded news anchor to join our business. I mean, this is great. There's Johnny, so many jaded news anchors. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm sure this is this is phenomenal. So you have a face for radio, but you also have a face for video, right? Oh, and thank then, you. Yes, you got both. Uh, you, a couple more facts about Johnny. Your dog person. Your favorite binge show is The Office. Legendary. Yep. Yep. Please follow Johnny on Instagram at Chapel 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 Real Estate yeah. Chapel R E S. Sorry. Chapel Res. Chapel yeah. Res. YouTube Chapel Res and. Interesting enough, website, chapelres.com. Chapel two P's and two L's. Two P's, two L's. <laughs> the links will be posted in the show notes. So, Johnny, welcome and thank you for your time today. No, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I've listened and I'm a fan from a, from a distance. And so thank you for having me. Tom. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I, you know, there are, are a few people that really get me, gets me excited. And, and a lot of it is based on their previous work or their background. And you have uh, one of the most interesting backgrounds that I've met. I've uh, had the privilege to meet, not, not saying anything bad about the other, you down, yeah. other, you know, guests that yeah. we've had, but, um, you know, it's certainly cool to see a pivot in someone that has been in a previous industry for so long. And it, that takes guts, right? You're letting go of your health insurance, 401k, uh, salary. Take off the golden handcuffs. Yeah, you're yeah. you're one hundred percent on your own, and that is not easy. Whether you know, and again, it's it's different if you're starting at twenty one years old or eighteen years old. You don't know any better, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> like ignorance is a bliss. Yeah. But you, someone like you, you've known, you know what you're about to lose. So you know the comfortability, the cushion, the the, the guaranteed paycheck. You know all that stuff goes away. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. I do want to get the listeners to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to go with a couple uh, words and then just, you know, let me know your feedback based on those words. Okay. okay? Just yeah, one to two words. Okay. All right. First word is social media. I hire professionals to do our social media. So <laughs> hire it out. It would be my, would be my okay. word. Right. Right. Hire it out. Hyphenated. Okay. Number two, Zillow. Uh, necessary evil. Okay. Number three, Duke. Losers. Losers, okay. Number four, UNC. Winners. Winners. Number five, COVID real estate in North Carolina. Hot. Hot, okay. Number six, MLS. Necessary. Number seven, you know, I know you were a sports anchor, so I had to ask this. Daniel Jones or Mitch Trubisky? Uh, well, Mitch Trubisky all day, even though Daniel Jones so far has had the, the slightly better professional career. Okay. I'm getting him that. All right, number six, MLS. Antiquated. Oh, uh, number eight, inflation. Happening. Number nine, Rob Rufkin. Guru. Guru, yeah. Uh, number 10, bonus word. Uh, Michael Scott. 
uh, world's best boss. World's best boss. And you know, if you go on his website, the, <laughs> the front, uh, the, the main photo is actually uh, Johnny drinking a, the, the same cup that Michael Scott had, the world's yeah. best boss. Our marketing uh, CMO, Ian Dunn, gave me that, that mug. So uh, yeah. I had to have a prop for that photo shoot, and yeah. he said, here's your prop. So. Oh, the, the best. Yeah. The best. You got do, do you have, a, I know you love the show, do you have a, character within your team that kind of resembles the character on the show as well? I mean, do you have a Jim or a Pam or a... Uh, we, we actually do. I'm not going to throw people under the bus <laughs> with those. Uh, we actually, and, and, and on our team and, and in our Compass family, we also have uh, folks that we were like, yeah, that's Dwight you over there. Uh, yeah, that, or that's that's totally, you know, Phyllis. Yeah, uh, Dwight <laughs> or Phyllis. Yeah. Do you have a Toby? I mean, that would be pretty funny. I don't think we necessarily have a Toby, but uh, but uh, there's there's certainly a, a few Tobys that have floated. Maybe a few past clients of ours would be more Tobys. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> uh, you went to so you went to UNC. Quote. You said winners. Uh, obviously, you got Michael Jordan. You got Mia Hamm. You got Larry yeah. Brown. Uh, my personal favorite. I'm sorry, it becomes a little bit uh, selfishly. I must say, uh, Diami Brown and Sam Howell. I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia. Diehard Redskins fan. Yeah. Uh, since day one, when I immigrated to the United States, the first thing that I kind of assimilated to as a young kid to America was the Redskins. So how about uh, that? Well, see, I grew up a Redskins fan too because right? in North Carolina, the Panthers were not yeah, around yet. That's right. They didn't start until I think at ninety three, ninety four, and so we grew the only. The, every Sunday, you could count on getting a Redskins game on TV, and yes. so grew up a Redskins fan. And you're right, they got Sam Howell, who's Sam a record-setting Howell. quarterback with uh, with the Tar Heels. That's right. And Sam Howell is now officially the, an active uh, player on game day since Carson Wentz was injured. So now he's playing backup for uh, ODU, which is also close to uh, North Carolina, yeah. uh, along Taylor Heineke. Uh, in any event, uh, <laughs> UNC is full of winners, without doubt. Um, and Diamond Brown, uh, Sam Howell, yeah. so, so those are some of my favorite guys. Uh, let's see. You also uh, said Zillow as a necessary evil. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. What, 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 what is the, the And again, it, not trying to be too hard on Zillow, not that they need my uh, uh, <laughs> softening of the, the critique, uh, but, 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 but Zillow, I, I believe it, it, there's, there's, you know, the Zestimate, for instance. Uh, there's, there's a lot of misinformation out there, uh, but Zillow has become such a, an elephant in the room in our business that, uh, you know, I don't know what the, the exact stat is, but a heavy amount of home buyers every night are on Zillow looking around, and they, yeah. and they take everything kind of as the gospel or, or as truth when they're going through that. And in not all cases is is that the best way, I think, I'm a little old school, uh, to buy and sell real estate to, to click, 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 and you're done with it. I, I still think having a knowledgeable, experienced, local, you know, guide, consultant is the way to go. And actually, it's going to improve your return on investment, whether you're a buyer or a seller. But Zillow's out there, and it's fine. I mean, there's tens of thousands of different ways to do this business and they've certainly figured out one way yeah okay so next i want to go into kind of a, a quick questions just a series of questions and you, you don't have to answer them in, in just answer them in a minute or two sure uh the first question is you know just basically about yourself just, just tell me about your come up you know where you're from uh where were you born where did you go to obviously you went to unc but did, did you you know live on campus what was your college life like and then uh, obviously this is great you know a little bit about your uh 
TV career. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want this in a, in a, in a minute? In a minute uh, okay. or two. Yeah, or two yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in a uh, small town called Nashville, North Carolina, which going back Nashville, to the pigs, Nashville with an N. It's uh, east of Raleigh, uh, but very rural farm kind of area. Uh, went to school at, at UNC, uh, played high school football, wasn't good enough to play college football oh, or okay. big enough, but but wanted uh, to go to school to be a journalist uh, and wanted to be a sports anchor specifically. Oh, and so yeah. UNC has a really good communications department in J school and uh, went to school, got uh, got the degree and uh, had a great time, too much fun, and uh, and started off as a uh, as a sports anchor. Uh, first job was on air in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, making $20,000 a year as the weekend <laughs> sports anchor at WWAY. And so... What did you cover? What sports? Uh, it, well, it was uh, UNC Wilmington basketball, Seahawks, a lot of high school sports okay. there. So high school football, high school, and then there's you're on the beach, so you're doing a little bit of surfing and, and covering, you know, athletic events like that as well fishing you know things like that so fishing tournaments fishing tournaments yep um all kind of you know caught the you know 75 pound mahi this weekend uh, kind of thing so um a little bit of that too so a little bit of a lot and then when you are working at a small tv station like that you're learning how to do everything so you're operating the camera you're writing the scripts you're in some cases you know out there putting up the tower on the live truck for the live show so you do all those things which is really helpful because you begin to get an appreciation for what everybody in the newsroom does Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically I was in the, the TV business um, up until 2006, so for uh, almost a 10-year period there. Then decided, hey, uh, I had a cousin who was in real estate in Wilmington, and he encouraged me to, to go ahead and get my real estate license. When you're in the TV business, you kind of bounce around every two or three years, contract to contract, market to market. And I kind of thought that's not really the life I want to live. I want to get somewhere and kind of root. And there's also really a ceiling on when, what you can make professionally in TV unless you're going to CNN or ESPN or yeah, one of those places. 100%. I mean, twenty thousand dollars a year sounds sounds like oh, it's, oh, tough. I mean, it's, it's tough even for a college grad. But the, what you get to do and you get to pay for, you get paid for. It's still it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's still, still, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Semi attractive. The, the joke was they pay you in sand in Wilmington, and that, and that, and that was <laughs> that was pretty true. But uh, so 2006, got my real estate license. I went to my boss at the TV station and said, "Hey," and this was I was in South Carolina. Now I was in Columbia, South Carolina. Was this when you were in Time Warner. This was before Time oh, Warner. So I was at the CBS station in Columbia. South Carolina, WLTX, and I was the weekend news anchor there, and got my uh, real estate license, went to my boss and said, hey, I got my real estate license, I'm going to make this big real estate career, do you mind if I scale back and work part-time, so uh-huh. I still had a steady income, and then build my real estate business up, and, and what was the reaction? His said, uh, no, he no said chance. no, uh, he yeah. said, you're either with us or you're not with us, yeah. and so I, I, uh, I was a younger guy then, but I said, you know what, I'm going to go with both feet, jump into real estate, and in 2006, I made that transition, and it would, went great uh, for like exactly two years and then 2008 started at that time my, my career had taken me to Hilton Head South oh, Carolina oh, nice. and so yeah Love beautiful place but it was oh, yeah. not the greatest place to be when the recession started nope. uh, and so I was on a new home development and literally I mean you drive up one day and there's like a padlock there because uh, the developer was going out of business sales had completely stopped long story short I had to go back to and fall back on the career that I went to school for so I moved to Raleigh 2008 went to Time Warner at that time went to my boss and said, look, I need this journalism career, but I want to build a real estate business. Will you work with me? In that time, they said yes. And so uh, for six or seven years straight, I worked the full-time job at the TV station as a first reporter, then a news anchor, and I was building the real estate business on the off hours. Phenomenal. So burning the candle at all the ends. That's right, yeah. two jobs. I mean, you have to. You, you know, so many agents have carried on juggled two, three jobs in the beginning to, to start off because it is so tough. It's tough, yeah. But uh, that's phenomenal. Now, you... you 
We're working at a 24-hour news anchor station. What kind of news were you covering? Was it local? Was it? Yeah, it was all local news. So yeah. it was uh, so it was all local news around North Carolina. So we covered Raleigh and Charlotte and, and all the areas in between on the coast as well. And like I said, so I started out as a reporter at the station. So I was literally I went out and covered the hurricanes. I was on the beach for that nice. stuff, which was an adrenaline rush. You're, it was great. You were the tornado man. Oh yeah, no, yeah, hurricane man. Yeah, so so yeah, a ton of fun. I still miss it today uh, when I see a hurricane <laughs> coverage. Uh, but then I got. I I got a more, a quote unquote, more of a cushy job uh, late in my career there where they put me behind the desk and I could, I was just anchoring the news at that point. So you're literally reading the teleprompter yeah. and doing that over and over for a few hours. Gotcha. Interesting. That's really cool stuff. What, what do you think about just switching gears here? What do you think about the tough inflation market that we're in today? I think it is, you know, you can't paint the economy or the real estate market with a broad brush. And I tell that to our clients, our investor clients, specifically on the development side a lot, because they read these headlines that say recession, you know, housing recession or housing, you know, what and it's housing, housing, housing. And we're all going to be impacted by it, but some markets are going to be impacted less than others. And fortunately for us, we're in the, depending on what you read, the second or third fastest growing market in the country right now. And so while we have seen a slowdown and we'll continue to see one houses are still selling we're still building and i think we're going to ride out the storm i really think that the best way to do that is to be aggressive and not to put your head in the sand but to kind of continue to to push forward yeah i mean if the storm is only a year i don't think it's really going to impact that much especially in a strong market like yours also if your market is very much dominated by let's just say medical professionals i mean people are always going to get sick the jobs are not going to they're not going to just disappear yeah and rates right. are temporary you know like i yeah. bought my first house in like 2002 and i just realized this the other day but i bought it in 2002 my interest rate was seven percent and the lender sat down with me at the closing table and said look this is the lowest rate you're ever going to see you're never going to want to refinance this and so what happened was for 20 years the rates like slowly continue to go down until they got down to you know two and a half three percent and then overnight it seems like they went way up and they kind of jumped and so eventually they're going to settle down and people are going to buy into that new normal but it's a little bit of a sticker shock right now what do you think about the rhetoric of you know people like you who bought in 2002 the Gen Z buyers and the millennial buyers today will say, well, you know, you bought, you bought when the houses were, you know, 75% from what they are today. You know, True. What, do you, what do you say to that? I record? was also making $20,000 a year. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, things you, change. You were able to buy a house when you were making $20,000 a think, year? I think I had to get my dad to co-sign on the loan. Okay, so, uh, okay. yeah, but <laughs> that's impressive. That is impressive. Very little Johnny. debt at the time. You yeah. Got, yeah you, you, they say you got some balls. Should have held that house. Yeah. You got some balls. Well, I don't know. I've, I've definitely fallen on the balls a few times <laughs> <laughs> here and there, too. So. That is awesome. Uh, social media wise, do you prefer Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter? What's your go-to? You know, I am so old school. Uh, I like LinkedIn uh, because I get it and it's a a little bit of a business, you know, tie to it. I hired uh, two full-time marketing staff on my team a few years ago and they literally do all of our social media. And so it it might look like it's coming from me, but it's actually the, you know, uh, the great and powerful Oz behind the camera that's, uh, or behind the, the, the cape that's, that's doing all that. But we've got two incredibly professional folks who create all of our content. It's all organic. It's not repurposed or reposted or fluff stuff. Uh, And we do everything from high-end videos, which I do a lot of that myself, obviously. But then we're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. We we try to do, and we try to really keep it true to who we are as a team. I'm going to put this in the show notes. I really enjoyed your video that you did with uh, the Raleigh Raleigh Mayor, Marianne Baldwin. Yeah. 
Uh, you had a, I didn't know you have a, you have a little golf simulator studio in your office? Is it's that actually, that's, so the Compass office in Raleigh recently opened, and it's, uh, that is a, like a little bar that's on the first floor of our building. Oh, we're, cool. we're up on the fourth floor, and so uh, I asked the mayor if she would meet us there, and we just thought we would have a little fun to see if she would swing a golf club, and she actually is a really good golfer, so um, yeah, she... Yeah, she said hybrid immediately. Oh, she's like, yeah, yeah I'll take a hybrid, and I'll, yeah, I'll put like, it right oh, down the middle, yeah. If you're, you're not going putting, putting with, you know, putting or Yeah, she does not mess around. No. Yeah, she is. So she clearly, <laughs> but that was a really good talk. Thank you. And she did talk about the walkability, the importance of walkability in public transit in that video, which I want to ask about your town is what is the public transportation like? Is it, uh, is it growing? Is it being developed or, or are you using it? I mean, are people, are your buyers and sellers using it? What's the, what's the story there? And I'm sure this is a very important question for even developers. Uh, who are you know focused on things like so this. everybody wants walkability whether you're a two hundred thousand dollar buyer or a two million dollar buyer in our in our market it's the the public transportation piece though is one area where we still have a lot of room to grow sure I think in the triangle the bus system is very good but there was there were plans for for high speed rail and commuter rail uh, several years ago that got really into the politics and we had uh-huh. some Democrats in control they really wanted it Republicans took control they didn't want it and so that's been kind of shelved for yeah. a while I think our area is lagging a little bit in terms of the connectivity, not only in Raleigh, but if you think about the triangle is what we call it. It's Raleigh, it's Durham, it's Chapel Hill, it's Apex, it's Cary, it's Holly Street. It's all these yeah, little communities that tie together and it's a lot of lot of driving. There's not yet a lot of solutions for for the for rapid transit or at least getting from one place to the other. Now we've got a good commuter rail that goes from Raleigh to Durham or Raleigh to Charlotte and a lot of folks will use that. But in terms of inside the city itself, you're mostly walkable if you're lucky enough to be walkable or maybe on a on a scooter or you're taking the bus okay i have a question about your college life did you live on campus i don't remember you don't (laughs) just joking uh no (laughs) uh no no no. i I did live on campus uh i went to again at unc in chapel hill and uh that's a again that's a very walkable you could go from anywhere any dorm on campus and be at any class on campus in about 20 minutes so it's a really walkable uh campus i saw a very thought-provoking tweet from somebody on twitter the other day and it said uh do you know why a lot of people say that college was the best four years of their lives? <laughs> it's because it was the last time in their lifetime that they were able to walk to a community yeah. within their circle or their friends or their whether it's food That's or such a good point. education. Yeah. It's because it was all within a walking distance and you don't have to plan for you know, a designated driver if you're yep. going out to a bar. Or you don't have to, you know, if you're going to go see your friends, you don't have to worry about parking situations. Who's going to park? Or do I have to spend another 25, 30 minutes going to one place after work and then going back and driving back another mm-hmm. hour? You don't have to think about any of that. So, you know, walking score and walkability. And so important. Exactly. And it really, even though that you get away from that a lot of times after, after college, I think that that urge or the, the importance of that, I think it really stays with you somewhere. Definitely. My, my husband and I recently, not even two years ago, bought a house in downtown Chapel Hill. So we live there. It's walkable to everything. It's walkable to campus. It's walkable to downtown. We walked out this weekend and got lunch. Uh, and just little things like that, even though it's uh, it, it might not sound sexy, it's a, it's a huge amenity. Every time huge. we develop a real estate project, we like to have somewhere that you can walk to, even if it's the Whole Foods, or even something like that, uh, because people inevitably, it's 10 minutes they save not having to be in the car or not having to worry about going back out after work, and it it really is a huge amenity. Huge. Uh, I I cannot agree with you more. The walkability score, high walkability score equals high happiness score. Totally agree. I think this is just so important, and 
if you are isolated and I, I guess some people just want to be isolated. I get that. But the majority of the people, I think if you are isolated and you are a social person by nature, you will not be as happy if you have to drive 30 plus minutes <laughs> to go to one place or maybe at the one bar in that town or that one cafe at the town where everybody congregates. And it's also incentivized with, you know, not incentivized, it's also disincentivized maybe because you have to spend money to A, gas, A, buy a coffee or beer or food. You, it's when you are able to walk to a park or walk to anywhere, your yeah. community, <laughs> yeah. a club, whatever it may be. Not like a, like yeah. a dance If you could walk like your a, kid to school. If exactly. you could get little things. I mean, and that, that is a huge driver in our huge market right driver. now. And really, honestly, in, 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 in the, the, the city of Raleigh, the downtown area has only really begun to mature, if you will, in the last 10 to 15 years. There wasn't just that much of a downtown life there before. The suburbs had kind of sprawled out of control. But now we have so many relocation buyers who are coming from New York, who are coming from L.A. DC. They're coming from D.C. Yeah. They're coming from places where they're used to that lifestyle and they don't want to give it up. Uh, uh, and so you need to build it. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. So I, yeah, I really want, I'll put the video again in the show notes. And uh, I think your uh, Mayor Marianne had some very valid points there. Uh, you just got her some votes, so that's good. Thank that's you. That's good. That's good. Um, do you have a morning routine? I do. I like to work out in the morning. So I, I try to get up every morning, eh, you know, seven-ish, a little before, a little after. Is that why you look like you're 25? <laughs> uh, how much do I owe you for, for that one, Talk? Uh, but no, no, I do I, I do try to, to wake up in the morning and, and get a workout in. And, uh, you know, I've... I've What's your I, workout? Do you, have a, you go to class? Do you have I a got class a tonal. You have you got tonal? You know, the no. machine that you put on the wall, LeBron oh, yes, James yes, is doing it right yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, right. and so it's, it's, we got a small house and a small, like, in-home gym. So and so this was a COVID thing, right? So the gym's all closed sure. and, and everything shut down. Down. Everybody and so we, you know, we, we grabbed a tonal, which is like a full workout system on the wall with a trainer on the video. And, uh, and so I'll do a mix of that. And I love to run and, uh, and just run around town. I love to like run through neighborhoods and see what, what's going on with the, whose Real house is for, for sale and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So okay. a little bit of a mix of the tonal and the running. Okay. Uh, do you have a, an agent that you admire at Compass outside of your market? And if so, who and why? Oh, man, I actually, I've got a lot of uh, Compass agents that I admire. I would say, and again, it, this is, we have, we joined Compass in April of 2021. And right after the Raleigh market launched, the Charlotte market launched. Oh, and, yes. uh, and so I got to meet some really great agents just three hours away from Raleigh in Charlotte that I should have known, but didn't know. And just tremendous referral sources, learning how other people do things. And I would say that off the top of my head, um, Scott Pridemore, who's one of the founders in the in the Charlotte, Charlotte market, Charlotte, uh, also like we did, had an independent firm and, and joined Compass in 2021. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and just, I've talked to him several times. We've been on some of the same uh, panels together. And, and But then just sharing of information, that collaborative spirit that you get throughout Compass is something that's been just phenomenal, uh, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or at a retreat or at a Zoom call. Mm, gotcha. Final quick question here. Can you plug maybe one or two go-to, whether it's bar or restaurant or an establishment in your region that I could link in the show notes? Absolutely. Uh, there's there's a lot. And again, our region is kind of spread out, right? So it's, it's Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill. Yeah. So uh, again, I, I love just, I just love Southern food. And so uh, so there's a place called Beasley's Chicken and Waffles in downtown Raleigh. Ashley Christensen's a world-renowned chef. That's one of her restaurants. She also has a, an upscale restaurant called Death and Taxes um, in downtown Raleigh, which is fantastic. Uh, I like sushi a lot. There's a place in our Compass building called Sushi Mon uh, that is fantastic sushi. M-O-N. Sushi Mon. Mon. 
Uh, and there's a place in Durham, downtown Durham, uh, called M Sushi, which is great. And then I got to plug Chapel Hill since I live there now. I went to school there. Uh, if you want to get your kind of greasy college food, but you got a view and a, there again, they got cold brews on tap. Then oh, there's okay. a place called Top of the Hill that's really fantastic. Okay, nice. All right, good. So you, you, this is not a tourist plug everybody. Yeah. This is from the local <laughs> pro. Okay, you're hearing it from here. So check out the show notes. So deep dive questions. You know, you had your own brokerage. You had your own team. You had your own staff. Right, you got your payroll. You got you got a lot of pressure mm-hmm. uh, on a weekly basis. You got to you got to meet payroll every week, right? You know, yeah, it doesn't stop. Money, yeah. money in the bank that doesn't <laughs> stop, right? Even COVID doesn't stop. Mm-mm. So you had the spe- special privilege of being in that position where you were extremely self sufficient. Now, Daisy Dolan, shout out podcast guest, two time podcast guest. She and her team. I'm always amazed at the SGM's ability to influence the top 1% of professionals in that specific market to join a brokerage. You know, when things are good, you don't need to move. You know, if you're, you have your own clients, it's not like you need Compass to get clients. It's not yep. like you are begging, uh, you know, begging somebody for marketing help. You already have your staff. So, you know, what was the decision for you to join a year and a half ago? And were you excited about it or were you annoyed about it? I mean, what was kind of the transition for you being an independent business owner to, to still being an independent, but under a brand. Yeah, well, it, it, you started with Daisy, and shout out to Daisy. Uh, uh, Daisy Compass has really good salespeople, not just uh, real estate salespeople, <laughs> but agent salespeople, right? Uh, so, like early in 2021, I got this text, uh, and, and I still have it on my phone from eight from Daisy, and it said, "Hey, Johnny, this is Daisy with Compass, and we're we're going to launch uh, in the Raleigh market like at the end of this month, and we're we're putting together a real select group of founders, and wanted to know if you might be interested." and taking a meeting. And I was like, really? I mean, they're they're going to start this quickly and, and whatever. And I learned before somebody I trust in real estate told me, anytime you get that call, take the meeting. It never hurts to take the meeting. And so interesting. we I'm, weren't looking. I usually get annoyed. I, I, I no, get no. It's, a, it's flattering, <laughs> if nothing <laughs> else. You know, somebody wants to come and talk to you and, and tell you how great they are. So, but so, uh, so Daisy Dolan and Caleb Campbell uh, with Compass come in and sit in, in our conference room. And they begin, you know, all this, oh, Compass Marketing, Compass CRM, Compass Compass. And, and, and finally, at the end of the day, I was like, look, I, I, we're a strong, independent company. We make a lot of our own real estate. I own a development company that yeah. fuels our real estate business. I, I've got the marketing. We've got a CRM. You know, tell me more. Yeah, tell yeah. me more than that. You don't and, need all that right now. Right? And she was like unflappable. You know, she just completely well, did a pivot and said, well, let me tell you about all the great agents we have around the country. And, our, and, all, and she just continued to go and go and go and go. And she didn't stop. She was really persistent. Sure. I had talked to taking about seven other media meetings like that with other brokerages and there was never yeah never the right value proposition never the right cultural fit never the right brand Mm -hmm. uh and uh and there was with compass and and honestly i had been watching compass behind the scenes for a few years and and so i I said if they ever come to the market i definitely want to talk to them and it it really it uh it was a quick courtship and uh, we made the decision in less than a month to, to jump on board got it great what did the real estate industry look like when you first started and how has it evolved since you became uh, the founding Asian team in, uh, in Raleigh? I started in 2006, and so I had an, a phenomenal rookie year, and uh, and then it just hit the wall. You know, the recession happened, the Great Recession, and if anything, that was an incredibly tough time. I had to go back and fall back on what I went to school for, which was communications and journalism, take a job at a TV station just to pay the bills while continuing to sell real estate and trying to build a business there. But it, it taught me a few things. Number one, 
tough times are good. Uh, they, they give you character, and it, it's good to knock, get knocked down sometimes and have to dust yourself off. And, and again, if anything, they also don't last forever. So if you can weather the storm, if you can push through it, um, then things are going to get better. So real estate has changed a lot since I was in the business in 2006. I still remember, and this really, I'm going to sound like I'm 85, but uh, when my first real estate company was a Remax company in Columbia, South Carolina, and great group, but they still had a room filled with books, with listings in the books. Whoa, interesting. What do you mean? So seriously, like before like there was the internet, <laughs> like people... Not current listings, right? Current listings. So they printed out every day all the, this is a hot sheet, all the listings, they put it in a book. And if you want to go buy a house, you call your agent, he or she it's opens the, the book, book and they pull out the listings. So, that was really, I mean, in the South, especially that was prevalent up until, you know, that time frame, no 2006, 2007. Portals, yeah. Is that what it was? There's no internet listings portals. Or there anything. were, I mean, they were just like bare bones. Were and they, uh, were they co-broking? They were co-broking. Uh, but, but again, there was no Zillow at that time. Yeah, and so, sure, and so a buyer's uh, uh, ability to attain information the agent a lot was was the gatekeeper uh, yeah. to that. So yeah, yeah. that's, an, way that's how much things have changed. Sure, <laughs> way interesting business model. Tell me about in twenty twenty. I mean, you said earlier that the UNC real estate market. I'm sorry, the, the Raleigh real estate market just exploded. Yep. Tell me about some happenings in twenty twenty. What was it like for you? Did you have maybe a memorable deal or transaction or? Well, project. yeah, Raleigh's always experienced, you know, kind of very consistent four to five percent appreciation year over year. You can yeah, almost count on it just because it's a, it's a growing mid-sized city and there's people continuing to move here. But all of a sudden when when COVID happened and all of a sudden people could work wherever they wanted to work and live wherever they wanted to live. A lot of people chose Raleigh because of its relative affordability, the climate, the university base that you mentioned earlier. Uh, and it I mean, literally overnight, we lost 75 percent of our inventory on the market. So so three out of every four homes were taken off the market in COVID. They oh sold during God. COVID, and our inventory went to unrealistically low levels. Uh, and that, that that continued in 2021, which you know a lot of people had their yeah. best year ever in yeah. 2021. Uh, we are finally beginning to see a little bit of recovery from that because the market slowed a bit. Uh, but it was, I mean, there were just like a lot of markets. Every house that hit the market almost sure. was multiple offers. Yeah. Even earlier this year, over 80% of the homes in our market were selling for above list price. Wow. So 80% at above list price. Currently, that's down to about 20%. So we've seen a lot of change in a short amount of time. Gotcha. Do, do you think the reason for the move was because, A, D.C. buyers and New York City buyers, Boston buyers just wanting to move south and wanting more space? Or what, what was the reason, you think? It's, it's all those things. I think it was like the perfect storm of, uh, of, of things that happened at the same time. So it was like, yeah, a lot of people grew up in Raleigh and then moved to D.C. to get their career started. And then they, hey, I'd rather move the family back to have a little bit more of a, a lifestyle close to the parents, things like that. We saw a lot of people downsizing to, to Raleigh and wanting to be close-ish to big metropolitan areas on the East Coast, but still in a centralized location. A lot of investor uh, activity in Raleigh as well. So 1031 exchange funds coming into the market and scooping wow. up rental properties. So it's like sure. all the things. Things came together at the same time. And then you saw your move up buyers who had been renting and all of a sudden said, I don't want to be in this apartment yeah, in COVID yeah. anymore. I need a yard. I want a townhouse. I want... And then they all hit the market at the same time too. With your business, I know that you do a lot of development and you said you do some development yourself. So what's the story behind this? How did you get into development? What is the structure? You don't have to go into who your clients are, but how do you structure some of these deals when you go into development? Do you have a construction background? I mean, what's the story? <laughs> no, you do not want me swinging a hammer outside <laughs> of your house. No, you don't yeah, want that. You don't want to uh, put up rafters. Uh, right? yeah. uh, long story short, you know, uh, after the recession, uh, probably 2010, 2011, 2012, began to get really active again in the Raleigh market, and I learned how to speak 
builder language. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I tell agents all the time, if you can learn one or two things in real estate that'll set you apart, learn to talk how the builders talk. Uh, and it's a very different language than how a normal buyer or seller will talk. And there's a different set of things that are important. So I did that, began working with some small builders and then a couple of regional developers. And then in 2018, I realized along with my partner, who's a, who's a, who is the general contractor piece, I'm the broker, he's the contractor. We realized, Hey, we've been doing this for other people for a long time and, and making them very successful. Let's see if we can do it ourselves. And so since 2018, we've been, uh, we started off with onesie twosie, housey here, house there, uh, and have really evolved. So As in building from scratch? Building from scratch, yeah. So we will uh, take a raw piece of land uh-huh. um, and maybe it's just one house or maybe you can build 20 townhouses there. Uh, we do all that and then a little bit. So right now we're, we're working on somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 townhomes, single family homes, duplexes. building 450 townhomes right now? Right now, all wow. over Wake County and Raleigh and the, and the area basically. Do you have to raise money for this? Well, yeah. Would you, do you have some? <laughs> uh, we can sit here and talk. Uh, yeah. No, we uh, we do raise money. Our our money comes from ourselves. We have some of our own skin in the game, uh, and then we raise money from private investment and then institutional banks, uh, local banks mostly, who we've established good relationships with. They know we're going to pay them back, right. uh, and uh, and that is taking a while. But uh, currently, we have four or five different banks we work with, in addition to a very small group of investors who sure. want to just get steady, consistent returns on their investment. How tough is it to is the underwriting process for a loan like that from an institutional bank? If it, you want, if you, if you let's just say you're earlier in your years when you were starting out as a yes. quote unquote you know builder. Yeah. So number one, uh, everything you got is on the line. So you know you're going to sign everything. everything. So your house, your 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 all your stuff, your iPhone, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you if you're going to work with a the bank, they're going to make you sign what's called a personal guarantee, which means I personally guarantee Entire. with all of my stuff um, that this loan is going to get paid off. And if it doesn't, they're going to come after you and take it. Take now it. we've never had that happen. Sure, but, um, but it's pretty it's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, so to, th- to you have to do the guarantee and then you have to give them all of your financials. They want to see, you know, three years of your returns. They want to see your corporate returns. Right. They want to see your cash flow. They want to see, they want to see me as the broker, show them how this deal is going to work so that they can get comfortable with it and make sure that their board or their uh, uh, higher ups will approve it. And so it honestly becomes easier to do once you've done it you've done a it. few times, yeah. you begin to establish relationships and then the banks begin to call you and say, Hey, when you got your next project, we'd love to talk about yeah. it. Uh, and so that's at the point that we're at right now, which is a, a great place to be after really uh, working hard for some of those early deals. That's phenomenal. You have 400 townhouses coming on the market that you're building. You, you just, is this the the Chapel Group staff or the contractors? How does that even? Yeah, no. So we uh, separate. It's a separate development company that I co-own outside of the, the okay. Chapel Real Estate Brokerage. But the beauty of it is, is our development projects fuel the Chapel listings. Our buyer agents get leads from them. Our marketing team does the marketing. So it's a it's a it's our little ecosystem. I call it starts with our development entity. So myself and another agent on our team, Maggie Sparling, are out there doing the land acquisition. So we're looking for the deals. Then we get the land. They go inside of our development company. We've got two civil engineers on staff. Uh, and so what they're doing is they're taking that big piece of land, figuring out what we can carve it into. Should it be 25 townhouses? Should it be six single family homes? Should it be a condo building? And then we take it as a group all the way through that entitlement process. So we're getting it subdivided, approved, ready for sale. In the meantime, we're working on the architecture and the design and with the builder team to make sure we can actually build it for what we think we can sell it for. And then normally about 18 months later, we begin to build the house and sell the house. So it's a long uh, process 
process, but it really, I can tell you what my pipeline looks like for 2025 uh, at this point because we've been working on some of those deals uh, sure. already. Wow. So, so with the 400 towns, what's, is that in 2025 or is that? A- that's not, that's, that's, that's beginning in uh, end of this year. So Q4 of 2022 through 2025. So we'll do additional deals and add to that list. Yeah. Um, but we're beginning to get a pretty, a stable kind of steady. And these are, I call them urban infill projects. And so it may be on the, on the small end, 10 uh, townhouses in downtown Raleigh. It may be on the large end, 66 townhouses that we're doing in downtown Garner, which is a kind of a, a bedroom community of Raleigh where it's more affordable housing uh-huh. uh, and you can still be a 10 minute drive to the city center. Hmm. Do, do you guys have tax abatements or do you guys have any tax credits that you get from the city in exchange of building these affordable housing projects or is this kind of a, 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 a a negotiation that's been ongoing that hasn't really transpired. It depends on the city, and and, and currently, I think again, Raleigh. One of the things they're trying to do is put together some more uh, attractive, affordable housing incentives for developers. They don't have any really hard and fast rules about it right now. And I'll be careful to say that you know, true affordable housing is looking at the median income and trying yeah, to stay sure. below that. All of our housing is for sale, so that doesn't apply to, to everybody. I and I would qualify it as more workforce housing. So gotcha. in our market, it's houses in the upper three to mid four hundred thousand dollar price points. And that accounts for about 50% of what we do. Mm-hmm. The other half is high-end properties, which in the Raleigh market is, let's just say, 800, 900, a million plus. And we're also working on some of those as well. So probably up to the $2 million price point. How hard is it to deal with the government on permits? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's some sort of, uh, what do you call it, a community guidelines or, uh, not, I'm not just talking about heights, but the way the facade is supposed to look. Uh, in New York City, we have something called landmarks preservation. I'm yeah. sure there's something similar to that. How difficult is it dealing with them, and what is that like? It's uh, it's the biggest challenge of what we do, honestly. And I'm not trying to throw the government no, under the bus, right. but it is challenging. And in and, and our market, and I've, I, look, I've heard it's nowhere near as challenging in Raleigh as it is in New York, or one of our clients is from D.C. Mm-hmm. I think it's much more challenging in yeah, some DC's, of those areas. Yeah, D.C. is even harder. Tough. Uh, yeah. But in our market, I mean, you can go ahead and count on. We just recently got one lot subdivided into two, and we're going to build four units on those two lots. It took us a year almost to get that subdivision done. It takes the same amount of time to subdivide 100 lots. Yeah. And so there's just a, a few things that just don't make sense that over time as the area continues to grow, I think hopefully some policymakers will step in and make it, again, not too developer friendly, but more balanced. Right. Is there, there is a housing shortage. There has to be. Oh, right yeah. Now. So, oh, yeah. So there eventually will have to be a way where the governments are going to have to work with you a little bit more, maybe create less red tape so that development can happen. And it's not like you're building... Building, uh, you're not developing townhomes for the ten to twenty million dollar buyers. You're, it's basically yeah. for the for the local working community yeah. there. And trust me, we're not getting super rich on the on the projects that we develop either. So it's not that you know, a uh, big old real estate developer walking around. And that it's, we're doing small residential. That's in the cartoon. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's not the cartoon developer. Yeah. Uh, we're we're out there with our hands in the dirt trying to get these things going. And and honestly, luckily we have a currently a city council in Raleigh that is that is housing friendly. Uh, but we need all types of housing. We need rental housing. We need for sale housing. We need two hundred thousand dollar houses. We need two million dollar houses and we're doing a lot of bit of all that stuff tell me about the return on something like that just generally you know i mean obviously don't tell me how rich you are but <laughs> tell me tell me let's just say you sell a half a million dollar townhouse 
From that sale, can you break down some of the operating costs and then you know the, the net profits on that? It's a, it's a great question and it's, it's, it's pretty detailed, but I can tell you just real simply. Give me, uh, the, give me the broad overview. We try to look at deals that are gonna produce a 20% profit and sometimes we hit it, sometimes we don't, but for us, for the development team and for the investors who are, who are tagged onto our projects, we really go into something looking to achieve that 20% 20% margin's good. It's good, uh, but if you think about it, that's 20% you know, pure sometimes these projects take two years to fulfill. So if you look at the, the internal rate of return there, it might be a little less than that, but we don't go into a product. We will say no to something if it, if it doesn't hit those benchmarks, because again, if you go into a, a slower market uh, or, or a downturn, uh, you want to have a little bit of room there to, to, to come down if you need to on the price. Gotcha. So when you say 20% profit pure, does that mean before sharing it with all of your staff, right? So you're talking about how many people are needed to build one half a million dollar townhouse. So you got the, obviously the, the head GC, <laughs> and then you, yeah. got, you, got, you got the subs, and then you got the architects and expediters. I mean, who, 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 what am I missing? You're, you're, not miss, you're, not, you're not missing. Like I said, we got engineers on our staff. We've got administrative support on our staff. We have consultants who are attorneys. Let's not forget uh, the brokers. All the, yeah, the brokers got to make their money. Yeah. And so uh, luckily, the way we treat it is that it, 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 we're a partnership. The builder side, we contract out separately with our general contractor, who's also the developer partner, and we contract out separately with Chapel and Compass, the real estate team uh, that does their work. So we respect our individual businesses and don't let that cross too much. And then we focus purely on the development deal and we try to accumulate the profit from there. Again, we try to hit that 20% threshold in a good market. Don't always hit it, but we won't go into something if we think there's a chance we're not going to get close to that. You know, if the market gets better, that 20% could go to 40%, right? I mean, that, that's not, I'm sure it doesn't happen all the time. I'm sure We haven't a seen a 40%er, but I'd love to get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd love to get there. Grand slam in real estate. Yeah. Um, that's a really phenomenal, you know, the way you do business. I've never really interviewed a, a broker developer, um, and it seems like you and your partner have this incredible synergy of of running a business and having the best of both worlds together, so that uh, you could create jobs for more people, and, and ultimately, you're creating more housing for the city of Raleigh. Yeah, and you had, there's a lot of trust uh, involved. And if anything, I'm a, a trusting person, but but uh, Sean, Donovan, and I, who's the builder partner, have been working together for a decade. And yeah, so we were phenomenal. working for other third-party developers and realized that we could probably do this ourselves. And so I trust him implicitly to, to work on the, the contracting side, side the site uh, work side. He trusts me to make sure that we're getting the land at a reasonable price, that we're doing the marketing and sales the way they should be. And, and so far, it's worked out well. Yeah, no, that's great. For... The listeners here, and there's, we get a variety of listeners, but I want to know, just can you give me some advice on, let's just say an agent that's about to start or maybe one or two years max mm -hmm. into the business, you know, give advice for that crowd and could you also give advice to the crowd that's 10 to 15 years plus in the business? And the number one thing I tell people, new agents, is to be responsive. And it sounds like so, like a very basic thing, but the, the number one thing that got me uh, to tread water in real estate and then to be successful in real estate was to pick up the phone, yeah. email somebody back, text somebody back, call somebody back. You don't have to be aggressive, but be responsive. People will, if I asked uh, five or six of the first people that ever worked with me on real estate why they chose to work with me, it was because I got back to them and other people didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and that I think that still holds true today, especially today when people want like instant access to information. Uh, you know, they're not going to wait uh, two minutes or two hours for somebody to get back to them. So simply be responsive. And then for people who've been in the business for a while, yeah, your real estate business is only going to be 
good, I think, long-term if it continues to evolve. It's got to change with the times. You can't get stale. You've got to be looking at what's next. That's one of the things that, that attracted us to Compass. Uh, Compass has a, a beautiful, edgy, you know, Nike or Tesla or, or Google-esque brand. And you read some of the headlines, they're like, well, it's just a pretty brand. Well, the brand's important. And it tells you that there's a lot of thought and investment that goes into that. And so continue to reinvent yourself, I think, from an agent's perspective is a, is a just good whether you've been in the business for five years or 50 years. Yeah, sure. Can you give me an example of what you've done outside of joining Compass? Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> what you've done in terms of that that was new. It's kind of like maybe this is the, the evolving thing that's going to happen in the future. Yeah, so COVID started and uh, and we realized that everybody was going to be sitting at home. So we really, we probably 5X'd the amount of content that we were putting out in video. Mm. We, we I had one marketing person on staff. I hired two more in that time period. It was wow. really scary mm -hmm. to bring on new yeah. staff. Like March of 2020, oh yeah, more sad. We, we doubled down on like piping out video, and it was it was it was creative content. Me sitting down and interviewing somebody, but it was also like let's get into your house, even though you don't want somebody to walk into your house right now, and 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 visually show people uh, what it can be. It was community profiles, and let's go to the local watering hole and show yeah. people the cool. It was all those things. That, that's one example of just very recently of you know. Anytime we're hitting what looks to be a downturn, I, I always want to look at it as an opportunity uh, to create some distance between yourself and the pack. Right. Become a, become a platform. You, you tried to invest it into becoming a platform uh, on the web in your local market. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's good advice. Now, you have a fairly robust team and not even counting your development side. Who do you look for in a hire and how do you, are, are there specific questions you ask? How do you hire and who qualify? What type of candidate will qualify to work for your company? And from an agent perspective or a staff perspective? From, uh, uh, let's say both. Okay. So, so and it's two very different uh, sets of criteria, right? Very. So, uh, from, let's start with the staff because I really think the staff at our company, our team is is incredibly important and they're incredibly good at what they do. They have mixtures. I've, I've got two marketing staff right now who came in to work with us who had zero real estate experience and I wanted that. I didn't want our real estate marketing to look like everybody else's. I wanted a fresh Smart. take on it. Well, it's worked out. Now, where, where do they come from? What industries were they? They came from a higher ed, actually. They both worked at a local university, and oh. I hired one, and then a few years later, we were ready to grow, and so we hired another, and it yeah. just so happens that they worked at the same place. But, Very cool. So they, but they came with a, and, and one is a, a guy that I worked with, Ian, back years past in the TV industry. So he and I had worked together before. He was the producer. I was the anchor, and so sure. we already had a good working relationship. Yep. Uh, but, but so that's one way is, is that we brought people in that didn't have experience, but then I've counterbalanced that with, you know, my executive assistant, Starla, has 25 years in real estate. Wow. Our, our operator. Director Kevin has probably over 30 years. So we we have a mixture of experiences, and I want that. Like I don't know everything about what's going on in real estate or in the world, and I really appreciate other smart minds at the table uh, that can kind of add to this collaborative collaborative experience. Yeah. On an agent side, again, I like people that have a little experience, but we have hired people in the past who have had no experience, but just proved to me really early they were going to be kind of a rock star in the business. Uh, they were willing to work the the leads and and even pick up the phone and call, call you know, things like that. And then we've been fortunate because I've worked in the market long enough to uh, get some people to come over that have got eight, 10 years experience in the business and bring a lot of a book of business with them. What makes, what makes you know that they're going to be good? You, you don't know. You don't know. But you, <laughs> you said. You, but you said. You I got a gut. Go. You know. You gotta have a feeling about some people, and it's yeah. uh, you know uh, uh, most of the people. A lot of people talk a good game, right? A lot of people. I'm gonna work hard. I'll do all this. Exactly. And then, and then they flop. And then they flop. But 
I have been, most of the people on our team, uh, for better or for worse, have approached me about joining. I haven't gone and, and recruited them. And so I appreciate when people take Great. initiative and say, yeah. hey, I see what you're doing. I see it's different. I like it. Let me learn more about it. I, w- I want to be part of it. And so when you take that step, and you, part of it is a salesmanship, you got to sell yourself um, to the person who's looking to do the hiring. But that shows me something right there that they're willing to maybe get out of their comfort zone. And and even if they've been successful in the business for a decade, as a couple of our agents have, they're 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 open to other ideas and, and maybe trying to grow their business. Are you brokering yourself or are you mostly just managing and training and teaching and guiding? I do a little bit of brokering. I'm really have been really trying hard to move more into the kind of CEO role. And so I do all of our land acquisition. I'm still involved in yeah. all those kind of development land deals. That's fun. Brokering that, is fun. I like it. You can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a, it's a great, it's a great time. Uh, but, it, but, but you like the managing part. I like the man. And I, and I really, I've gotten to the stage in my career where I'm beginning to get more joy in seeing people on our team uh, get success stories than me going out and, and having a successful transaction. So that's that's only happened in the last two, three years, but we've got you know a couple of really good, solid young people that have come in and and just proven themselves. And to me, to see them uh, uh, take the reins and, and have some ownership in what they do uh, is is a lot of joy. That's phenomenal, Johnny. I can't thank you enough for your time. You've shared so much. It's amazing information. Is there something that I haven't asked you that you'd like to say? or you'd like to share with an audience, whether it's about your business, whether it's about your developments, or whether it's about North Carolina. I appreciate the chance to talk. It's been a lot of fun and a great platform. Hey, the, one other thing that I would say to people in real estate that I've told people before, and it's not as easy as it sounds, but <laughs> I've always fallen back on like, Focus on the things that you can control, which is, again, we develop and build a lot of our own business. And I like that because I know what's coming down the pipe versus working for a, a different third party all the time. But but find something in business that you can control. You can wrap your arms around. You F it up, then it's on you. If you do great, then that's on you. And that's one of the reasons I got into real estate to begin with was the, the feeling that, you know, you have a little bit of control over where you're going. Yeah. So leave it with that. Great. Real estate is not like selling Sunset. It's not? It's not. Oh. Wow. You need to come to Raleigh. It's, it's, <laughs> no, trust me. It is, you're right. It is not like selling it Sunset. It's not million dollar listing. The, what you just said, you're, you're growing clients organically and, and having your own business and doing, controlling what you can't control. Yeah. It's not uh, on TV where there's just flash and bang and you, boom, you pocket a $5 million commission. Yeah, I, when that happens, I'm all about it. Show, please show me where to find you, and then uh, I'm, I'm on the next plane to uh, Sunset. Please, please follow Johnny again. Uh, he, he is all over the internet. Uh, Johnny is, again, found on Instagram at Chapel Res. YouTube, Chapel Res, and chapelres.com on the website. Thank you so much for listening. Johnny, thank you for your time. Much thank appreciated. You, I appreciate it. All right, take care.